0: Good morning. I want to encourage you to open your bulletin to the uh, outline on the back of that, and you can open your Bible as well as we jump in. I have received so much good feedback um, from this series. Our home Bible studies are off to a good start. Uh, I had some good discussions with that as well. But when you decide to be a completely committed follower of Jesus, that's a big deal, What that means is that you are no longer dead in your sins, but it also means that you are alive in Christ. You are alive and you are free. And that's what we've been talking about. The good news is that Jesus has set us free. And so that's what we're studying. I want us to learn about this. Uh, Today, I want to share some thoughts, some more thoughts about freedom. Freedom. And what this means, and again, if you weren't with us, the first two lessons, you can still jump in today and listen. But I do encourage you to go back and catch up with us. We must change our minds about the reality of liberation. And what that means then is that our minds must change. Because freedom's fight first begins at headquarters. I put there as your first blank, we must beware of the mind Field kind of play on words there, but I want you to stay with me. Beware of the minefield. I said last time the wrong place to start in the quest for freedom is by addressing the enslaving behaviors. That's usually what we do. Here's what I'm doing wrong. I need to do right. Stop doing wrong. Start doing right. That's good, but it's not enough. It's not thorough. It doesn't last because people behave like they behave because they believe what they believe. That's the only lasting change that will happen. Nobody wakes up and says, you know, today I think I'm going to take a step toward being addicted to uh, prescription drugs or alcohol or illegal drugs. Nobody does that. Nobody says as they wake up in the morning, I think today I'm going, to, I'm going to wind up before the day is over addicted to pornography. Or nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be so consumed with what people think of me that I'm just miserable. Nobody does that. Nobody says, I want to live a life in fear. Fear of losing my health. Fear of losing our country. Fear of losing all my savings in retirement. Nobody says, I want to live today like I'm afraid of losing my soul. Nobody wants to get there, but we get there, don't we? We're there. It happens all around us because we don't understand the why. The power of the bondage is in the why More so than in the what. Let me explain what I mean. You recognize this picture? The Lincoln Memorial? One of our members was on a trip, so they just went by there, D.C., for the first time in their lives. In the late 1980s, the Associated Press wrote a story. The National Park Service noticed that the memorial was uh, eroding a lot faster than anybody thought or suspected, and, and they weren't sure why. Because why was the memorial in such bad shape? Well, part of the problem they knew was the erosion was happening because every day they were having to clean the memorial. So there's not just natural rainwater happening, but all this extra water that was happening and the extra daily scrubbing that was happening and the chemicals with that. But why were they having to clean the memorial every day? Well, because of a huge mess left each day by the sparrows and the starlings. But why were these birds leaving such a mess on the memorial? Well, they were drawn there by the spiders. But why were there spiders all over the memorial? Well, there were these little insects called midges. You ever heard of a midge? A midge is this flying insect, very, very small, just end of your fingertip type small, that lives there on the muddy banks of the Potomac River. And during mating time, they would swarm at dusk and they were drawn to the lights of the memorial. And so they would be there all over and that would bring the spiders and the spiders brought the birds and the birds left their droppings and that brought the cleansing. And that was making the erosion. So why was the Lincoln Memorial eroding? Because of midges. But you wouldn't know that until you ask why at least four times to really boil down and get the answer. Behind all bondage is a lie that's sometimes hard to see. And you know why? Because the liar is sometimes hard to see. You hear the lies, but you're not sure they're lies, and you're not even sure who's saying them, and you don't know who's behind that. All you know is what you're hearing. You know, If you're new to following Jesus, this may not be a struggle for you, and I get that. But as Christians, we do not believe that evil is just random. We believe what the Bible tells us, that there is an evil, malevolent force and has a name. The Bible calls him Satan. I've spoken of this many times, did a whole series on spiritual warfare. So this is nothing new to any of us. We know about Satan One man said that he was preaching on the devil and a lady, a sweet lady, came up to him afterwards and said this, I never saw the devil more clearly than when you were up there speaking on him. Thank you so much. Here's what you need to know. I don't fully understand the devil and all the ways that he works. But I do believe Satan travels at the speed of thought. He gets into our minds and he's sowing lies right and left. His primary strategy, think about it, from the very beginning has been deception. They're in the garden. You see, as the Bible opens, He just makes suggestions, asks questions that cause you to think about who is God and what about His character and what about what He's asking of us. They're in Genesis, first couple of chapters. Satan shows up, you remember? And appears to even ask the question... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? God didn't say that. But you notice the way he's so deceptive with his questioning. What is God up to? Why is he holding back? What does he mean by this? And his strategy hasn't changed. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians, 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, Your minds may somehow be led astray. See, same thing. From your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your mind is the battlefield. You might say it's the sports arena or maybe it's the court, but it's not a game. It really is a minefield because this is a war that's going on. Has it ever crossed your mind? Has it ever crossed your mind that not every thought that crosses your mind originated with you? Think about that. Satan loves to plant lies in the minefield. And usually in disguise. You're not even sure where they came from. And if we don't capture those lies, those lies will capture us. Not my words. That's the way Paul said. Same church, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, They have a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, note this, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You want to be free in Christ? You want to abolish this slavery in your life? You cannot do it until you tackle these strongholds. You take captive these thoughts. You can't address the what until you expose the why. So what is a stronghold? What is a stronghold? A stronghold really is just a military term. It's a secular term. It's used in the Bible and the Old Testament both to talk about a military setting but also to talk about God being a stronghold. But what's the setting here that Paul is talking about? Look at this definition. A stronghold is an entrenched pattern of thought. An entrenched pattern of thought, contrary to the truth of God, that gives the enemy a secure place of influence in a person's life. That's a stronghold. You might want to write that down, let that one sink in. You may not even be aware of it, but it's holding your thinking hostage, and it's holding you hostage. It's this pattern of thought, it's not of God. In fact, it's contrary to God. But it's given this enemy this secure place, this influence. It's holding you back. We've all been held by ideas that we later recognize as lies. How many times have you look back on your life you think, well, I've always thought of it that way and you finally figured out the truth of it. It's like it dawns on you. You kind of come to your senses. You kind of wake up. Realize how difficult it would be to develop a strong moral compass in a young mind, if they have in that same mind that there is no God, that there is no absolute truth, no real purpose or meaning in life, they're all just cosmic accidents. How do you develop a, a moral compass in that kind of mind, that kind of thinking? Why shouldn't you just con- the strong conquer the weak? Why shouldn't you just do whatever pleases you? Why worry about consequences? Just live for the moment. How do you build a moral compass in a mind that thinks like that? See, that's where the mind, it all starts with how you think. If you believe, and you may not even think this cognitively, but the stronghold is there, if you believe that what you have communicates who you are, you'll wind up in bondage to greed. And we can dress it up and say, I just have a strong work ethic. I'm just trying to provide for my family. You know, this is just the American way. And we can come at it from so many different angles, but you'll become a workaholic, maybe well in your way to the bondage of debt, because again, people will behave like they behave because they believe like they believe. <clears throat> a minister told about early in his... Preaching career, a young lady came to him, and she was she was really struggling. This woman, she was very unhappy. She never smiled. she was just really struggling with life. And the minister confessed that he naively just focused on the external because to look at her, she had so much going for her. She had a great husband, she had healthy kids. She had a good family. She had a a good situation. And so he counseled her to to be grateful. To count your blessings. That's what he, he told her to do. He did not dig into the why. If he did, if he'd ask why, he would have found out that she was both unexpected and unwanted as a child. It's very common in her growing up years to hear her father say that we weren't planning on you. And I was kind of hoping you'd be a boy. She grew up hearing that recording playing in her mind. I'm not wanted. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Would that explain why now years later she has trouble receiving love from her husband? Would that be a little bit of a clue as to why she's such a perfectionist? Why her kids always have to be so perfect, while everything has to be her home, everything perfect, she was without realizing it, screaming by her actions, someone give me worth because I don't have any. You cannot overcome wrong thinking by only addressing behaviors. You cannot overcome wrong thinking by somebody else just telling you, count your blessings. Even if you're blessed... Bondage cannot be overcome by, by behavior manipulation or just secular psychobabble. It happens with God. Only divine truth can set a person free from that kind of stronghold. That's why I remember the story we studied last week about that young man in a far country. He came to his senses how Jesus described it. He came to his senses. It was right thinking. The right thinking came before the right actions. He had to get his thinking straight. Then he could make good choices. Again, you don't get free and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and He sets you free. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 21 and 22. Surely you've heard of Him. I'm talking about Jesus. Surely you've heard of Jesus and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth that is in Jesus. You were taught to regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. We are talking about that's your grave clothes, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Here's the good news. The Bible says this, a stronghold can be removed because the mind can be renewed. That stronghold can be removed because the mind can be renewed. See, strongholds don't need to be tolerated. They don't need to be adjusted or tweaked. They need to be getting rid of. Throw it out. Get rid of it totally. Sports journalists will talk about the mind and how much that plays a part in the game. And sometimes especially when there's a barrier because there has to be a a breakout, a breakthrough before there's a breakout. I think about the time 1954. Do you remember the name Roger Bannister? Young medical student who for the first time in history said what could never be done, he broke the four-minute mile. But here's what's fascinating to me about this story. Because everybody said it couldn't be done, couldn't be done, couldn't be done, until he did it. But in the next ten years, after he broke that record, for the next ten years, 336 people also broke the four-minute mile. See, the limitation was never in the body. It was in the mind. Once people knew it could be done, others followed suit. It was a breakthrough. The renewal of the mind is not a matter of grit. It's a matter of grace. It's a gift of God. God does for us. Look what He says in the next verse. Ephesians 4.23 from the ESV. It says, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Only the spirit of truth that comes from God and God alone reveals these lies that we believe helps us identify them and crucify them and put them away. That old carnal thought system, whatever it is, it's not of God. The truth of God replaces that. So maybe this could be our takeaway for this lesson to pray this prayer. And it takes courage. Lord, may Your Spirit reveal anything to me, anything that I may be thinking, may not even be aware of, that is out of line with Your truth, Your character, and Your heart. Open my eyes. Help me to see the thinking. In God's truth, or we'll reprogram our minds. Give us new software, if you will, or maybe a whole new operating system, because that's really what we need. Remember we said that freedom's first step is claiming, really reclaiming our true identity. That Jesus has set us free. That we're sons and daughters of God. We're being made new in the image of His Son. That is His recreating work in us. This means that we don't just believe in Jesus. This means we think like Jesus. You think like Him. Remember the slogan years ago, there's all kinds of jewelry and bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Really what should have preceded that is what would Jesus think? What would Jesus think? How does he see the world? How does he respond? Then you know what to do because you know how he thinks. What would Jesus think? Realize the truth is more than just mentally agree with the correct doctrine. Walking in truth, as the Bible uses that phrase, walking in truth is really when your mind agrees with God. When your mind agrees with God, then your actions agree with God. When you see reality, when your perspective, when you see life the way the devil paints it, then really you're giving him access and authority. You're giving him that stronghold. You've allowed that stronghold. Whether you know it or not. When you see things like God sees them, you're going to think like God thinks. And you're going to respond like God responds. The truth sets us free. You will not live freer than you think. It starts with the mind. So, next point. You need to be a free thinker. I almost didn't call it that because we think of free, when I think of free thinker, I think somebody whose mind is so open their brain falls out. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. Again, a little play on words here, but think about freedom—the way God's truth talks about freedom. You—you cannot renew your mind; God renews your mind, but God won't renew your mind without your cooperation. See, you've got to be in it with Him. You must decide, and here's where it gets challenging. You must decide whether you want to go through the hard and sometimes painful process of facing, admitting, uprooting old thought systems. Because they've been in there sometimes since childhood, maybe all your life. And to pull those out is not easily done. See, when you decide to give your life to Jesus, when you say, I'm going to follow Him, when you confess that Jesus is Lord, when you've repented of your sins, when you come up out of that watery grave of baptism, and you've been made new, you are a Christian, you are, you are cleansed, you are going to heaven, but you know what? You still have some of that old thinking. It's still there. And that's a lifelong process as you continue to study And to figure out what is of God and and what is not. You continue to grow and to mature. And really what you have to decide is whose software am I going to let control my mind? Who's going to program my mind? See, I hear people talk about You do too. And I even say it. We're talking about things we learned as a child in church. Things my parents taught me. Things my grandparents taught me. And we hang on to those things like it's the gospel truth. Maybe it is the gospel truth maybe it's not where does it come from see if it's the truth it's going to set you free but some of those recordings that we heard even as a child in those early years they are in there and those recordings are playing some of them are accurate some of them may not be accurate and what about the ones who are not are you ready Are you prepared for your mind to be renewed as these Scriptures talk about? Do you really want to change your mind? That's what we're talking about. See, Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, Romans 12, 2. You know this verse. "Do Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You be transformed. He does it to you. Right the way the New Living Translation renders that let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's where it begins. It's like hitting the reset button. You ever had trouble with your phone, with your computer? And you tried everything, and somebody says, You ever turn it off and back on? Uh huh. Yeah. That reset is an amazing thing. That's what we're talking about here. Let God do it. Let God change your thinking. If you follow the NFL, you know the name Chris Borland. He was a rookie player. Just finished his first year of playing and decided he was going to retire. Why do you retire after one year and you're a success and everybody thinks you've got a great career? Well, he told the press he cited a few past injuries but he also talked about the ongoing research, the long-term side effects of concussions. He didn't want to be a part of that. He wanted to protect his own head. He wanted to be home with his family. It's good for him. But our culture has a, has a hard time, has trouble making sense of people to trade fame and money for intangibles, you know, like family or good health personal well-being. Where are our priorities? What do we value? Are we willing to trade what we think we want, what we think we want for the things that will really give us life? So how can we let God, how can we be transformed as Paul wrote to the Romans here? A couple of things here for filling fill in the blanks. Kind of obvious. Think about what you think about. Think about What you think about. The Bible tells us to take responsibility for our thoughts. Take control of our thoughts. So we can do it. Paul tells us to do this. Philippians 4 verse 8. You know this verse. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Control your thoughts. Think about these. Think about what you think about. Have you ever said this statement? If I have to remember one more password. You ever said that? Thought that? Everything is protected by passwords now. But one day we we'll have to go to the bathroom punching a code just to get in. You know, it's like, really? It's absurd. And sometimes you, you get a notice like you need to change your password. We don't like that either. Every year, there's a list. You, you know this. It comes out. Ten weakest passwords, and there's always one, two, three, four, five, six, and the word password, like not good. Now, if any of you didn't know that, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you those aren't good passwords. Because everybody knows them, everybody's using them, or a lot of people are. Why? Why do we have weak passwords? You know what I think? We're lazy. There, you know, I just don't know if I can remember, and that's true. But the more we value something, think about this: the more we value something, the more we think about how to keep it secure. You ever going back, and make sure the door's locked. Check it again, because whatever is in there that you're locking, it matters to you. It matters to you. The Bible says multiple times, guard your mind. Multiple times, guard your heart. And for most of us, I don't think we have a deep desire to be wicked. Okay? Maybe there's one or two of you. I don't know. I think most of us, we don't have a deep desire to be wicked. I think for most of us, we're just lazy. We're just lazy. And the great mistake that many of us make is we do what's easy instead of what's best. How intentional are you about minding what goes into your mind? Come home from work, turn on the TV, and it tells you what to think. You get in the car, somebody picks the songs for you. You open your screen, it's your phone, it's your tablet. You're letting others direct your mind. We hardly give attention to what's going into our minds how can the mind be renewed that is constantly being reloaded and reprogrammed with things that are not of God? And especially contrary to the wisdom of God. The Bible is a great virus detector. You ever thought about that? The Bible is a great virus detector. And the more you start in your heart, the more you'll detect that ain't right. Even if it came from your grandma. Even if you've thought it all your life. Here's what the Bible says. Look at 1 John 2.14. I write to you, young men, because you were strong. So you don't have to be old to be strong. I write to you because you were strong and the Word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. That's how you win, people. He's not saying they're, they're strong because they're, they're young and muscular. That's what he's talking about. They're strong. The Word of God lives in you. That's how they're strong. It doesn't just come with age. It can come at any age. Even the young ones here. The Bible is a good virus detector. Think for a change. You've heard that? Your parents ever tell you that? Think for a change? Well, take that same thought and change the wording just a little bit. Think for a change. Think about what you think about. Guard your minds. And then number two, let the cross cross your mind. Let the cross cross your mind. Since the guard and the enemy has sown lies about the character of God, and He still does it. Every time you hurt... Every time you are in pain, every time you suffer, every time you're waiting patiently for God, Satan is there whispering, What kind of God does that? What kind of God allows that? Why isn't God answering you? Are you sure this prayer works? And he's putting a question mark where God puts a period. That's why the Spirit of Christ keeps pointing us to the cross of Christ. Remember about that young woman who suffered from such low self-esteem? Several years later, maybe 15 years later, that same minister had an opportunity to talk with her again. that's when he learned about the rest of her story, if you will. This time it wasn't about the what. It was about the why. And he told her the truth about a father... Who loves her unconditionally. So much he gave his son to die for Always wanted her. Always had a plan for her. Never gave up on her. Loved her more than life itself. Who delighted in every moment of her life. And she began to believe the truth of who God says she is. And that stronghold that had been in her mind for more than 30 years began to be demolished. And you know what happened? She was changed. And she began to smile. And there was a joy of the Lord in her. And it came out. Circumstances were the same, and they were still good. But she was a new person, she was finally free. Look at First 1 Peter 1.13. Peter wrote these words, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. I was looking at all the verses in Scripture that talks about your minds and your thinking, and, and I came across this one. And it says, Prepare your minds for action. You know what that says to me? It means get ready to do something. Is that the way you read that? Well, that's not what that means. In fact, this is where translations sometimes give us some trouble because if you've got some translations, it might say uh, prepare the loins of your mind. Or gird the loins of your mind. You've heard that phrase before? And again, we don't use that term. Loins is like this long skirt kind of uh, garb that would go all the way down to the floor, to the ankles. Not exactly the kind of clothing you're going to wear for battle, for action. And so to gird your loins really means to put your skirt up. And there was a way to do it. Go and Google it. Go search it. Kind of wrap it around then you go from this long skirt to your ankles to like shorts where your legs are free and you can move. So that's what he's saying here. We might say, roll up your sleeves. You've heard that phrase? Roll up your sleeves? Now, if you're sitting there and you got short sleeves, no, that doesn't apply to me. No! It's a figure of speech. Meaning, get ready to do something. Get ready for action. That's what He's talking about here. So what He's saying here when He says prepare your minds for action, He's not saying prepare to do something. What He's saying here is think about how you think. Roll up your sleeves in your mind. Gird your laundry are thinking. Set your hope. He goes on to say, focus. Think about God who sent Jesus to make you His son, His daughter. You claim your identity in Christ. He's the one who set you free. And you stop believing the lies. Colossians 3.2, you know this verse as well. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Are you tired of bondage? Are you tired of destructive thoughts? They are not of God. Christ comes to set you free. And if you're feeling enslaved to these thoughts, call them out. Help God to, pray to God to help you to renew your mind, to recapture your heart, to reset your mind. Because here's the truth. Just like the story we talked about last week. God is waiting on you, not with a scowl on His face, but with a smile because He wants you to know the freedom that He gives you through Jesus. And that's our invitation. For Christ to set you free. To confess that He's the Son of God. To repent of your sins and make a new creation as you're washed clean in baptism. He gives you the hope of eternal life. But folks, it doesn't stop there. You continue to walk with Him and let Him just do the rest of your... He's reprogramming your thinking. You let that Word of God, it washes over you. It cleanses you. It takes out things that are not of Him. And what's left is His truth. It's the most liberating thing you've ever experienced. And it's your invitation this morning. When she comes, we stand and sing.